We have a saying in Asgard, where there are wolf's ears, wolf's teeth are near. It's a trap. He's lying. Just playing games. Add me for a sec, Loki. My ears are sharp, too. Here's the deal. Fugitive variants been killing our Minutemen. We haven't been able to find them. So let's bring in an expert. That's me. The criminal could be anywhere, anytime. We gotta be careful. Anything we do can impact the course of history. You get that? Loki! Loki! Right on cue! The timekeepers are monitoring every aspect of this case. Trusting this man is not a good idea. No one bad is ever truly bad. And no one good is ever truly good. This isn't about you. Right. Loki, wait! I believe stupidly. You can be whatever you want to be. Even someone good. By the way, I should have an equal amount of security. This is insulting. You just can't help yourself. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Derek Wong. Tonight, we're making up for our break from the week of July 4th and catching up with Disney Plus's Loki, specifically episodes 3, 4, and 5, titled Lamentus, The Nexus Event, and Journey into Mystery, respectively. So I was out of town and just couldn't get my Wi-Fi and sound situation resolved in time to record last week. So this week, we are back with two episodes. We're going to be releasing this one, um, if you're listening, on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, we're going to have a regular episode, which we'll talk about Black Widow. So lots of MCU cape shit on this podcast. We're going <laughs> to be the cape shit podcast for <laughs> for this entire week. We have a lot to catch up on with Loki. So originally, we we're going to do three and four, but then last week, it didn't work out. So now we can do three, four, and five. And listener emails, what we, yeah, we promised some, to do. some listener emails. A lot to talk about. I think we'll go in generally a chronological order from three to five, but we'll keep like the discussion free form. We'll try to contain the events of episodes three, four, and five to different like links on the podcast. Try not to jump around too much. Yeah, no Nexus events. <laughs> no Nexus <laughs> events. We don't want the TVA coming in and busting our asses. <laughs> but yeah, I really, really enjoyed all three of these episodes. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cementing this show as being the best of the three Disney Plus shows we've seen so far. I think it's just more confident and knows what it wants to say, even if the things that it wants to say isn't as deep. Like, I think that's still held constant from when we discussed episodes one and two, right? Like, it doesn't quite have, like, the message 
that maybe WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier do. Ooh, okay, so so I have a take on that. Have I, on I have that. a take okay. on that. I think okay. this actually has a message and does it better than those others. I do agree that it does it better. So I, I'm curious what you think, like, the all message. All right, all right. We'll, we'll get into it. Keep going. No, it's all right. I liked all three of these episodes. They're great. I think they're packed with Easter eggs, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's annoying. They're not, like, bashing you over the head with MCU callbacks and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of it. If you recognize it, there's a lot of it, but it's definitely fun to watch. Uh, it's not shoehorned in. I think Sylvia DiMartino's great as Sylvie. Uh, the chemistry between her and Tom Hiddleston's Loki is fantastic. I think... Everything is just working for the show for me. I, I, I'm just really enjoying it. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I could agree completely. I think probably been the least enthusiastic about these shows overall. Mm-hmm. And I found myself actually really genuinely enjoying this one to an amount that surprised me. I really, really liked 3, 4, and 5. I agree with a lot of what you said. This is the most confident, I think, of those shows. And so far, just the most enjoyable, the least clunky B-plots, side-plots that, that drag it down. It doesn't have too much of that. For sure. Um, like you said, there's a lot of Easter eggs, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I like it because it feels the least tied to the MCU. Like, it doesn't feel like it's beholden to shoehorning in, like, cameos or random characters or anything like that. It's, it's just having a lot of fun. And I like that. I don't know. This, this is really good. I do think the action is a little weak in the show. But I think it makes up for it with like the character work and, and the storytelling. I think the uh, fight scene in the Timekeeper's Chamber in Episode 4 wasn't really that impressive. Uh, I think some of the visual effects are a little wonky at times. But I mean, there's a lot going on, so it's, it's easily forgiven. I think generally the action in most Marvel isn't exactly amazing. There are some high points, mm-hmm. but in general, Marvel's action isn't super duper good right none of it is like none of it is like i don't know gangs of london shit or whatever right so like (laughs) i don't know i'm just not that that part doesn't bother me you're not here for that (laughs) yeah exactly that part doesn't bother me i don't know what do you think derek the easiest thing i can say is just i I echo your guys' sentiments i've enjoyed three four and five a lot and same thing i think this is so far the best series that we've gotten out of the three let's just hope that it's not like WandaVision and, I guess, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, when it kind of falters at the end, right? I mean, we still have one more episode to go, so I'm very curious to see if they stick the landing. My, my favorite part about this series has really just been the character development for Tom Hiddleston's Loki, but also the relationship he has with uh, Mobius and the relationship he's developing with Sylvie. Like, I think all of that is really working, and I really hope that we, we get – Maybe a second season of this, or at least some of those relationships continued in, in future Marvel movies. I'm not too sure uh, what they have planned, but I, I mean, I'm 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 all for this right now. So, should we dive into episode three? Yeah, episode three, Lamentus. A lot of people do not like this episode. People are like, this was a filler episode. It had nothing to do with really anything. It didn't move the story forward. But this was one of my favorite episodes. I fucking love this episode. I wouldn't say it's like a chamber piece because they go to a lot of places, but like it's definitely a character-driven yes. episode. We find out a lot about Sylvie, the Loki variant, and we get a little bit more shading for Tom Hiddleston's Loki. I thought the whole story just flowed really well from episode two, 
where, you know, they find out that Sylvie Loki has been hiding out in these apocalypses, and now they're stuck on the planet Lamentus 1, and the apocalypse is, like, one of the worst of them all, and they're stuck there without a tempad, right? And and the whole thing is they're trying to get off the planet uh, without dying with the rest of the world. And it's great. I think it's great. I think the train sequence is great. I think the end sequence where they're trying to get to the arc is fantastic. All the character moments are great. All the little tricks that Loki plays, them trying to get to know each other. Just great character piece, I think. It's one of my favorite episodes, actually. I think more so than four, and maybe five. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. I, I agree entirely. I really liked this one. I liked how separated it was from the rest of the plot and the rest of the MCU. I realized I kind of don't like the TVA that much. I do want to get into the TVA a little bit because I like, I, I do agree. I, I think- mean, not, not just because they're dickheads, but I just don't love the plot line. Mm. Like, whenever they go back to the TVA, I'm just a little like, eh. But when they're on Lamentous 1 and they're away just doing other shit anywhere else, yeah. I'm like, oh shit, this show's picking up. But the TVA stuff is nowhere near like no, the it's flag not, smashers, no, it's uh, not <laughs> sword stuff, and in the other two Disney Plus shows. No, right? not at all, not at all, not at all. But it, 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 it's still. I just realized when they left it, I was like, oh wow, I'm so glad to get away from that. And that's not because I don't like Owen Wilson or Gugu and Mothra or any of those other actors. It's just like I just don't love that plot as much. But I agree yeah. with you completely. I really like Lamentous One. I think the reason I liked it is the reason a lot of people, as you're saying, didn't like it. It, it does feel sort of disconnected from the rest of it. It's like this capsule of, of them having their little adventure and trying to flee the planet. And aside from like some fun bits in them interacting and finding more about the characters, you know, you could say, oh, it doesn't quote unquote advance the plot line that much. But I don't know, I really I really enjoyed it. I thought Lamentous One was really, really great. Yeah, and then for me, like this episode, I think you guys have both said is pretty character driven. Learning a lot more about Sylvie, but a lot more about Loki, but then also that development of their relationship, right? Like, if all of a sudden this series became what it is now, uh, you know, a love story between these two characters, if we didn't have this episode, it would be very unearned, in my opinion. Absolutely. I think that this episode really helps to establish that they do have a connection and that Mm -hmm. in the end, which, you know, I mean, spoilers or or speculation, like, I think it, it is going to end up with some kind of kiss, right? That just seems like the natural progression of what they're trying to set up. Okay, so are they actually going to do that? Like, I feel like they're towing the line and then just pulling back. I think by episode five, they pulled back almost completely from, like, the romance thing that they were hinting. But the the blanket part? Really? Yeah, I I don't think they pulled back. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they just come close to having... Loki profess his love for her, but then in the end, it just kind of turned a little more platonic. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing. I think it's clearly there, though, because like even like in-universe characters talk about it, right? Owen Wilson does himself mm-hmm. say. It's like, you're so in love with yourself, right? Like, you're, right. Yeah. you're such a narcissist, you know? Yeah. So. And, and they do make a big point about like them touching at the end of you know this episode, and it causes a huge spike, even during a you know, apocalyptic events, that's how they find them, right? Sorry, that's the beginning of the next episode, but like, it's all part of the same kind of events. But yeah, like, I think it goes a little bit into speculation of what I think might happen. So maybe we'll, we can come back to this and why Mm -hmm. I think they will kiss, I think. One of my favorite parts of this episode is, I think you mentioned already, is the train sequence. Like, I love the fact that like Tom Hiddleston gets a moment to like sing and like be 
jolly and a little, you know, drunk and and throw a glass on the ground and a little little Thor one shout out. Yeah, yeah that was great. Another, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought all that stuff really works, and I, I understand like some people were just like a little bit down on this because they they felt like it was quote unquote filler, but. This is the right kind of filler. If if it is filler, like this is the kind of filler I like to see. Like I love character development, so mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to ever complain about that. So I want to get a little bit into my theory about what this show is about. Okay, because okay, they're yeah. dropping yeah, some seeds of it here, even in three. Now as so good a time is, as any. This is definitely like an LBGDQT metaphor. This show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's kind of where they're going with it, and they're not as explicit about it as they are on the other shows, but I think if you look for it, it's pretty clearly there. And maybe this is just me reading into stuff that's in the current zeitgeist, but I, I don't think that any of this is unintentional, right? They're giving you a female Loki. They're giving you two bi-Lokis, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of dialogue here that hints at this. For example, in this episode, Sylvia at least twice is pretty prickly about her name, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Hiddleston calls her a Loki, and she says, don't ever call me that, right? And then again, he says, I'm sorry, but I'm not calling a, some faded photocopy of me Loki. And she says, good, because that's not who I am anymore. I'm Sylvie now. Mm-hmm. And he mocks her for changing her name. Oh, you changed your name. Brilliant. And then she kind of goes, oh, it's called an Elias, which is a little bit of a cop-out. But like that whole dialogue about the name is like very, very dead on. It's like, don't dead name me or it's whatever. very right, – yeah. exa- exactly, mm-hmm. right? And of course, they're both bi, which is something that's, I guess, also we find out in this episode, which I think people have been looking for for a while with this character. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of the start of it. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's been stuff in the previous episodes, but this is really where I started to kind of perk up and pay a little more attention to it. And then I think there's more and more threads going through that you go, oh, yeah, okay, I see where the show's going with this. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, the things that you mentioned, I stuck out in my mind immediately. Like you said, like the current zeitgeist is always clamoring for representation and like people are always talking about this kind of stuff, right? And it's definitely not coincidental, I don't think, like you said. I don't know. Do you think like this is the through line for the entire show though, like theme wise? Like grief is for WandaVision and then like like the the race stuff yeah. and like what it means to be a black Captain America. So I think it's really, the show's really about, like, the possibility of change and self-acceptance of, like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. I, fucked right, up, right, right. I fucked up in the past, I'm a shitty person, but I can accept myself and I can change going forwards and become a new, better person. And maybe that new, better person is not the gender that I thought I was. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the extension mm-hmm. to that kind of logic, but I think they're playing with a little bit but maybe it's two separate themes but you can kind of link those up yeah i I guess the maybe i'd say the primary is this whole you know loki's narcissism and lack of self-acceptance but then you go oh why like why was he like what is it that he was running from and hiding from was it his gender identity right and and it's not dead on right like i don't think the loki we're seeing i don't think tom hiddleston's loki is having gender dysphoria or whatever right but i mean it's it's a metaphor right like yeah I, i think that that kind of ties those two themes together. I kind of hope that they don't uh, cop out and have Sylvie just be her comic book namesake. Because if you know, Sylvie mm-hmm. is the real name of a Thor villain named Enchantress. Sylvie Lushton, I think, is the is the name of the character. She's the second version of that character. And as Guardian 
uh, sorceress who's always been one of Thor's villains. So I kind of hope that they stick to their guns and keep her as a variant of Loki rather than making her just some other character. I think there are a lot of people who are like, oh, that's like self-cest or whatever, you know, like incest. But I don't know. I think this is an interesting direction. And I think it, it would defeat the whole purpose of like the theme of self-reflection if you just made her a different character. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the character design is very similar to Enchantress. Um, she keeps using the word enchant, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, and she always says enchant. And then she's got like the ring pattern on her like Clothing. leather sleeves and then like enchantress always has that too so there's a lot of that imagery that calls back to the character but again i hope i hope they keep her as a loki variant yeah i would agree i think that that would kind of cripple what they're doing if they make her something else yeah i love the reference to frigga in this episode uh in episode three where loki reiterates the fact that frigga is the one who taught her like all the illusion magic and like the mischievous kind of stuff i think i don't even know how i remember this because i've only seen like thor the dark world once but thor says that too right uh i think he's mentioned that you know frigga taught loki all the the illusion magic and stuff like that so um but i i like that yeah in fact i just like the presence of frigga on this show like she's always like kind of looming in the background heavy on loki's mind and heart you know i i I do like that shading of the character a bit no odin yeah no odin (laughs) yeah i mean because i think at some point probably was the closest relationship he had to like something that was real and Mm -hmm. to find that what he he was going to eventually cause his mother's death is like i think a driving force for definitely his change Mm -hmm. in the series I don't know if you guys have anything else, but the last thing I want to bring up from this particular episode is that the big thing that we learn is that all the TVA agents are variants, right? Mm -hmm. That they are not just people created for the TVA. They are actually taken from a different timeline and uh, a variant timeline. And I guess their memories are wiped and they work for the TVA. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, when did you guys realize that they were going to do this and the TVA was evil? Was it like from the very beginning? From the very beginning. Yeah. I kind of knew from the very beginning just from how the TVA is portrayed. And that's one of my biggest uh, issues with the show, where it makes all these twists seem like big moments. But the way that you've portrayed the TVA, none of these things really come as a surprise, right? I think all the brutalist structures and architecture of the TVA, how big and like imposing and overwhelming it all is and then how authoritarian the tva agents are it just makes them seem sinister the mindless bureaucracy yeah the mindless bureaucracy and the whole thing with renslayer too like you might not be able to predict that she's evil but the way that she hides information from mobius and loki and like all the other tva agents you know that she's not on the up and up right and then we said from the beginning that the time words are clearly fake right yeah so so there's there's something up with them like you don't get to see them yeah yeah so we're like all right there's something going on i think if they portrayed the tva in a more benevolent light um like they're actually doing uh good things to help preserve the timeline and like the the prime timeline then you would be more surprised with the twists that come in this show. I, 
It's a, it's a, like a minor nitpick, but I, I, I think it, it is very much telegraphed. They telegraph it a little too much, right? I mean, I'd say I was only really sure in this episode when like they're like, oh, they're kidnapping children and like stealing people from other realities. And it's like, okay, these people are clearly very evil. And then, yeah. I mean, uh, Sylvie out and out calls them fascists, right? And so it's right, and, right, right. And, and at that point, we're on Sylvie's side. So it's like, all right, clearly she's correct about this. These guys are clearly super evil. What did you think, Derek, about this? I'm starting to learn the lessons from the first two series. <laughs> and I think the first two had us, or had me at least, going in loops trying to figure out, like, who's the big bad, right? Who's the big person that's behind it all? And even the show postulates right at the beginning, it's like, the timekeepers, like, oh, we got to get to the timekeepers. It's just like, well, there's something off about this. Like, what have I learned from WandaVision and what, I, what have I learned from Falcon the Winter Soldier? Is that the answer always seems to be right in front of you from the very beginning. And so, like, when there's this kind of, like, suspicious entity called the TVA that's controlling all of time, that just sounds evil to me already. And <laughs> I just went with the obvious choice. And I was just like, you know what? They're probably not as altruistic as we think. Mm-hmm. So it's more for me learning lessons from the the, the last two se- last two ep- uh, shows I've watched. I mean, the they, they only they only have so much runway with these shows, right? Six episodes, mm-hmm. four episodes. Yeah. What was the longest? Wandavision. Wandavision was eight, I believe. So yeah, so the longest is what eight episodes. They don't have that much space, so the villain really can only be um, Agatha all along, right? They can't. They don't have. <laughs> they don't. They, they they don't have the space to introduce someone else, and like there's not that much time or space to be tricky with it i think this show would benefit from eight episodes actually Ooh, i don't know you don't think so i'm enjoying it but i think you you risk ending up with that netflix marvel territory where everything's just stretched out that's true but i feel like we could have gotten a little more runway on turning over to sylvie's side you know from like episode two to three i mean i mean three is mostly just about us getting on sylvie's side so i guess i guess that's not exactly true but like i don't know like taking in four and five into consideration i feel like there's a lot left for one final episode to cover i think because i mean let's face it it says it's 50 minutes but it's really like what 41 40 39 Mm -hmm. minutes those credits are fucking long yeah Yeah. and and sometimes there's like a mid-credits scene too so there's a lot of stuff to cover for the hopefully season finale series finale i don't know um maybe there'll be more of this but all right well let's uh let's move on to the our second episode that we have uh, queued up for tonight uh which is the nexus event it uh takes place pretty much right as the the episode ends and at the end of episode three we see that they're trying to go for the ship but they don't make it right the ship explodes and they can't get off lamentus and they're just both kind of reserved to Basically, I guess this is the end. And we mentioned this earlier, they do cause this nexus event on an apocalyptic planet by, you know, embracing, right? They, they like hold hands and it, it causes like this huge spike. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how the TVA find them. And then they get taken back to the TVA. And it's, it's really a majority of the episode is like an interrogation of, of Loki. Um, we get to see most of the episode in his perspective. Mm-hmm. I do love that they put him in this time loop prison thing, and we get the right. return of is it Jamie Alexander as Sif? Mm-hmm. Big surprise, by the way. Yeah, I was yeah, not I expecting that. I was not expecting that. Still don't know what happened to her in the prime timeline. She was very absent in Thor Ragnarok when all the other Warrior Three were murdered, murdered by <laughs> Hela. But it's good to see her again. This was this was great. 
Yeah, yeah. So I found it a really fun cameo. It's great that really tied to this like emotional moment for Loki to really kind of admit to himself he was a dick, right? That that he's he's trying his hardest to apologize. And it feels like he's not trying to apologize so that he can get out of the situation. But he's, I feel like he actually is apologizing because he does sincerely believe what he's saying at this moment now. So my first thing is a question. So do they save them from that apocalypse only so that they can interrogate them? Yes. Because otherwise you could just let them be dissolved or whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they just wanted to interrogate them so that they can know what exactly, what's the information they're trying to find out? What are they trying to interrogate out of them? <laughs> like well, what information, what is it that Sylvie knows or what is it that Loki knows that the TV does not know? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure it's that clear. I mean, like if you guys want to get to the first email, yeah, let's I mean, just, get, the let's just get into that because – the episode actually begins with a flashback to Sylvie as a child, right? Mm-hmm. And you see her in Asgard, and she's playing with some toys. There's like a reference to Valkyrie, and there's like a little Fenris toy. And you don't know what she does, but the TVA comes, and they arrest her for crimes against the timeline. And then they delete her timeline with one of their... Pruning bombs? Pruning or bombs or whatever, right? So our listener, Alan, he says, it's so weird to me that no one else on the entire internet seems bothered by the idea that they are preserving a single sacred timeline, yet a girl Loki made it to age 8 to 10 before getting pruned. There's either a single timeline or there isn't. The fact that she might have led a similar life to the boy Loki up to that point doesn't make her the same person, nor at the same timeline. Several people have responded to my saying this by claiming that there is a single timeline but multiple universes. What the hell does that even mean? It's very unclear, right? Because Alan also says, like, why take a variant out of the timeline, leave a bomb behind that destroys that timeline, then book the variant and have a trial, and all that before deleting them? Why wouldn't you just drop the bomb in the diverging timeline and be done with it? Which I feel like is a very, very good point. We were talking about this a little before the podcast, Began. I think we have a answer to one of those questions, but I feel like the timeline and the sacred timeline and what the TVA is doing with these Nexus events, like what constitutes as an actual Nexus event, isn't exactly clear. Like we've seen Nexus events and the things that cause them and like the TVA coming in and pruning the timeline, but like, but that's a good point. How did Sylvie, Loki, make it so far as to age 8 or 10 before getting pruned? Or, like, what did she do that made that timeline so divergent from the sacred timeline, other than, you know, being the incorrect gender? Okay, I have, I have thoughts I have, I have thoughts on this. Okay, so why, why save these people and not just bomb them? You mm-hmm. either want to interrogate them, or you want to brainwash them and use them as slave labor, right? Because we right. found that the TVA agents are all like, captured variants, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to continue building up your workforce or whatever, your little time army or whatever. And maybe you need to inter- interrogate these people, potentially. Potentially they know stuff that you need to know. I-, I don't know. But then what is it that she could have done to cause the divergence? Like, why wait that long? Mm-hmm. Well, I-, I was wondering that myself, and I was just thinking, maybe is it that we don't know exactly how old she is, but is she hitting puberty? Is that the time when the genders really start to diverge and all of a sudden that becomes a problem? But if you know that, wouldn't you delete that timeline to begin with? 
I don't know. I mean, is there, like, maybe their ability to detect a nexus event is proportional to the level of divergence? So, like, up through that point, everything was was all good in that branch or whatever until she, you know, hit puberty and they're like, oh, shit, this is a girl, Loki. We didn't realize that. Time to delete this shit. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Maybe it just doesn't make sense at all. But I was just tying it to my earlier theory of if this is all about, like, gender, then maybe, like, hitting puberty is the time at which, oh, shit, my, this dysphoria is really hitting bad. Like, this is when things really start to hit. And, and that's the point at which you become a fucking, uh, an irredeemable variant is when you hit puberty and no longer want to go along with the sex or gender that you're assigned or whatever, right? I'm not sure I have faith that we'll get they answers about to that? this oh, by okay. episode six. Um, Probably I don't not. Know if they actually thought about that, like like you said. I I also have like a theory about this, or like a thought about this. Okay. So what I think is happening is, and we we learn a little bit more information also in episode five, or yeah, five, right? When we talk to classic Loki, right, Richard E. Grant's character, and he describes the event that he lived in isolation and was allowed to live his life until the moment he left isolation, right? That he decides like I'm mm-hmm. going to go back and try to reconnect with Thor, right? And I think. There is a specific kind of track that needs to happen. I think that the, the sacred timeline is something that where specific events or certain characters have to play a role to keep the timeline intact. And when you step out of those roles is when probably the TVA may, might notice something and, and prune you, right? Like he, as long as he was in isolation, he's fine. But the second he wants to come back, he might change something. Because it, it does seem like his character had some growth where he was becoming lonely. Maybe that would change the, the type of person he would be and affect those around him. And I think that girl Loki, we see very specifically and in, in when, when they take girl Loki, right before they take Sylvie, is that she is playing with some toys. And she's kind of like pretending like she's a hero, right? She's like playing with them. She's like, oh, Valkyrie's here to save the day. And we also see when she gets taken... When that gentleman is being harmed, she's like, why aren't you helping? Why aren't you helping him? And I think that Sylvie is different than our Lokis because she's naturally good versus the natural mis- mischievous Loki that needs to stay on track. That's an interesting oh, observation, I like that, I, I like I that like idea that. a lot. Yeah, she's, I do like that. She, she doesn't have his um, insecurities, and so she doesn't need to... Uh, act out and do the evil, mischievous, whatever, all the acts that he does because of this void within him. She doesn't feel that need because she's happy as a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like that's, that's, I think that, I mean, we can get into this a little bit later too, because I, I do want to talk about this idea of the sacred timeline and what it's going to mean for this show or what we might see in episode six. But like, I think. I've come to recognize it is that our Loki, the one we followed from, you know, first Thor to him dying in the endgame, that is the Loki that keeps the sacred timeline in check. And I don't think it has to do with gender. I think it has to do with like who he is as a person, because a lot about this is who he is and like trying to change who he is, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that also ties into like the, the, the people that they're pruning in the sacred timeline. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there's clearly ones that we see like in episode five that like seem a little bit too evil, but also maybe some that are a little bit too good. Right. Like Boastful Loki is good enough to have Mjolnir somehow. Right. And then we have a, a Loki that actually kills Thor. Like maybe that's the tipping point. Right. Like he was a little too evil. So like a I think there's two alligator. Yeah. Too alligator. But yeah, like, that's just my thoughts on this email. 
I mean, I just think like the sacred timeline thing, you either have the sacred timeline or you have the multiverse, right? So like, I think the only way this makes sense is that they can't access any alternate timeline from the sacred timeline unless there's a nexus event. And that's the only way to detect these branches that have to be pruned. Right. So until you do something that's sufficiently um, variant, I guess not deviant, let's say variant, if you you do something like that, then that's when you can get seen and pruned. And otherwise, you're good. Right. Because if you know about all these branches ahead of time without the nexus events, why wouldn't you just visit them and prune them right away, right? Because you're trying to protect the sacred timeline. So I think the only way that makes sense is that they can't access these alternate timelines or alternate universes without them ha- first having experienced a Nexus event. Or they don't have the resources. You know, theoretically, you're, you're splitting off infinite, al- infinite alternate right, timelines, right, right. but you only visit and prune the ones that are significantly different, that they're not compatible with the secret timeline. I don't really know. I'll be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, Alan brings up really good points in his email that, like, I don't think we have answers to, and then I don't think we're going to get answers to uh, by the end of this this season. And, I mean, he has valid points. Like, wh- why do you prune? Like, why why do you even take someone, right? Yeah, does if, the underlying logic of this anyway? setup make any sense in any way? <laughs> Questionable, maybe, but... No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, like, going back into the episode... Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go. I did like that they actually took a page out of Norse mythology with Lady Sif mm-hmm. being very obsessed with her hair and how beautiful it is. And it's taken right out of mythology where Loki cuts cuts her hair. And I, I think that's that's a fun little nod to real life literature, right? Um, yeah, it's not, not a nod to Marvel great. continuity. It's a nod no, to real life, not. right? There you go. Nice. God, read a book, people. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so with that, like, that that little time loop prison they put Loki in to relive this awful moment. So I mean, this is kind of the the second theme of the show. If it's not about like you know uh, transness or bisexuality or um, you know LGBTQ in general, it's it's about changing oneself and you know understanding one's toxic traits or whatever the hell. So like, um, if that's the case, then you know this is the prime example of it. He initially goes in and it's like. Eh, this isn't a big deal. I remember when I when I cut Sif's hair, uh, it didn't bother me. Like it wasn't a big deal. I, I just went and had a glass of wine afterwards, right? Like he acts unbothered. And then after he mm-hmm. moves through that loop a couple times, he goes, "Oh, wow. Okay, let me like stop putting up this front." And like I do really understand that what I did was wrong. And you know, and he does apologize, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's the moment at which she also changes, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't loop fully. So it's like, this is like the theme of the show. This is his moment of of uh, epiphany. You know, the, the beam of light comes to the clouds. Oh, wow, if I change, and I can change, then people around me will respond positively to that. And I'm not stuck in these, this toxic pattern. I'm not always going to be alone, right? I don't, mm-hmm. deserve, I don't deserve to be alone, and I'm not always going to be alone, because I actually can change myself from a bad person into a good one. Yeah. If I, if I accept myself. Just kind of keeping the the episode moving along, uh, we we do also get a moment between uh, Sylvie and the B fifteen character, right? Because if you remember in episode two, we see that Sylvie does for a short amount of time enchant B fifteen, mm-hmm. and what we learn about Sylvie's character is that you know when she enchants, she kind of goes in their head and she creates like visions 
through memories, right? Um, mm-hmm. We saw it with C20 and B15 also realizes like, hey, I was seeing things. What was I seeing? And, you know, what she was seeing is moments of her past, right? Uh, of, of before she was taken by the TVA. So she's kind of fully become, uh, I mean, I, woke, I guess, in, in this. Awoken. Awoken. <laughs> but it, this really reminds me of, uh, I mean, Westworld. The idea that right. there's like hosts, right, in Westworld that become sentient to the idea that well, I, I am a robot, but you know, what does that mean? Like, do I have free will? And and it, it's kind of the same concept, right? Like B fifteen comes to the realizations, like, well, like you know, what am I doing this for? If I am a variant and I have a, you know another life somewhere else, yeah. Well, she has Sylvie do it again to show her mm-hmm. who she really is, which I wish they showed mm. because I think Wami Mos- Mosaku deserves more screen time than she's getting on the show. And I think it would have benefited more having seen, like, what her past life was. I mean, you only needed, like, 30, 45 seconds at most, you know? Um, But I feel like just having, you know, Sylvie touch her head with a glowing green enchanting effect was was a little cheap. I kind of wanted to see more. I mean, I really like that just because I think, you get to see the really great acting out of Wumi Wasako, you know, in that scene where she's like, "That's true," but you could intercut that, you and, know. And I'm and I'm glad they at least made her like a main character and have a reason for existing, right? Like not her, right? Her turning. She's into, such a great actress. Yeah, and so she has to play a critical plot role in turning into the TVA, which I'm glad they brought her in because you're, you're right, she wasn't really doing much and she hasn't had much of a role to play. So this this was good for her. Last pairing before I guess we get to the big moment in in this episode is that we. We get a little bit of time with Ravona and Mobius, right? We have this kind of scene in her office where she is, I guess, celebrating this win, right? Like they finally caught the Sylvie variant and, and they're, they're Loki. But before, you know, Mobius gets there, Loki does say like, hey, you're variants, right? Like you're all variants. You're all yeah. variants. And, and Mobius plays it off as like, ah, that's just another one of your tricks. But I think in the back of his head, like it's starting to seep in that maybe I am and I need to investigate this more. And Mm -hmm. he does take her temp pad to see that she was lying about C20, right? Because Ravona earlier in the episode tells her like C20 is dead, that she just died from what Sylvie had done to her. But we find that that there's an interrogation where she realizes she's a variant and Ravona is there with with her in the room and, and it's assumed that. Uh, if she is dead, that uh, Ravona is the one probably you know pruned her or got rid of her. Then that leads to Mobius going back to Loki and being like, "Hey, you know, I'm on your side now, basically, right? Like, let's go tear this thing down." And it's interesting because Ravona's always had that empty space on her shelf for like the variant that got away, and then we find out that it's Sylvie, mm-hmm. right? Because Sylvie escapes in that flashback almost as as soon as. Uh, uh, they take her into the TVA, right? She yeah. steals a temp pad and she gets away. And when Ravona's talking to Mobius, she she finally places Sylvie's sword with her other trophies yeah. um, on her shelf. I thought that was interesting. And then the big moment of this episode where I thought they were doing something really ballsy here and it turned yeah. out they did, didn't, nope. um, which I'm a little <laughs> upset about. Mobius gets his little jet ski speech. Yep. He says, I'd rather live my life as who I really am and not this brainwashed 
TVA agent, and then fucking Ravona's like people living lodged as they really are. Hmm. Yeah, and Ravona's like prune his ass, and they get him. <laughs> prune his ass, <laughs> and I was really upset that they fucking killed Owen Wilson, and so was everyone else because I watched a lot of YouTube reaction videos to this. Everyone was like, "No way, you just fucking killed Owen Wilson," and they actually didn't. And I kind of wish that they did, even though I love Mobius as a character. I think he's fantastic. I think Owen Wilson is great. There's so much chemistry between uh, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, but this would have been the ballsy thing to do, and they didn't do, do it. it. So yeah. I'm 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 gonna push back against that. I don't think they need to be ballsy. I think you got to know the genre you're dealing with. This is comic books. Nobody stays mm. dead except for Aunt May and Bucky, and Bucky's back. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that like I never expected this to be like Uncle Game ben, of Thrones. You mean. Uncle yeah, ben, yeah, yeah, exactly. Aunt May, right? so, uh, <laughs> Uncle Ben, sorry, Aunt May's alive. <laughs> We think. Yeah, so I, th- I think the genre is just a little different. Like, it's not Game of Thrones, right? I'm not, like, expecting them to make ballsy moves. Yeah. Like, I think the revelation that, oh, those things don't kill you. They just send you to, like, an apocalypse at, at the end of existence is, like, a cool, comic-y, sci-fi, hand-wavy thing for those weapons to do. And it allows you to keep around these characters that we like. And I, I didn't feel, like, cheated by that at all. Well, okay, I, I think I'm somewhere in between you guys, right? I, I'm with Jeff, like, where I saw Mobius, like, get pruned. I was like, oh, shit, like, they did it. That's crazy. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't think he's dead. Yeah, I was the same way. I was like, there's no way they actually did this, right? Like, But when we see at the end of the episode what happens to Loki, and then I was like, it was confirmed to me. I was like, oh, there's no way Mobius is yeah, dead because there's exactly. no way Loki is dead, right? So, like... I, if it waited like one more episode somehow to like then reveal that Mobius is somehow still alive, I think to have to like live with it for a week would have been would have better, better than living with it for like ten minutes. I don't know how they could have the yeah. way that they did this, but yeah. I, I I agree. And, and that would have like made them like I don't know a little bit complicit in attempting to like hide it, whereas like they're not really trying to hide it, right? Like it's not yeah. you're not yeah. really supposed to buy that he's dead, right? Well, unless you didn't watch the mid credits, I guess. <laughs> if you didn't stick around, and you didn't know those mid credits. Like right, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's you true. would have never known. Uh, but let's let's get into the big scene of this episode. Right? Is you know uh, both Sylvie and Loki get taken to the Timekeeper's chamber, where we get to meet the three Timekeepers. One has this crazy uh, Horton hears a who mustache. <laughs> One uh, definitely doesn't look like Kang, even though a lot of people thought the middle one looked like Kang uh, before <laughs> before we got to the chamber. And then I don't. They all what... have like Kang esque faces with like the mask, but yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, at one point B fifteen comes in and and frees both Sylvie and Loki because now you know she realizes like, hey, I'm I'm gonna switch sides and I'm gonna fight against the TVA in a sense. And there's a big battle that ensues. Sylvie and Loki basically get the upper hand on, on most of the fight, and at one point she takes one of those like pruning sticks, throws it right at the middle timekeeper, and decapitates him. And we learn that the timekeepers aren't real; they're they're androids, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, these aren't the things that are pulling the strings. That maybe there's something else pulling the strings. It looks like there's a moment where I, I don't know what it is. Like Loki's about to confess, maybe that. He's in love with Sylvie or, or something really, really something. personal. He's about to confess that he's force sensitive, but not a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right before he gets uh, out his words, he is pruned, right? Uh, mm-hmm. By Ravona, who's 
right right behind him, I guess. Like they don't check if everyone's out or whatever. <laughs> that was also another, you know, big moment. But then, you know, we talked about it. I was like, I was like, oh, there's no way. There's no way that they're gonna let him die. So yeah, let's talk about this. Like, what did you guys think about like the ideas that the idea that the timekeepers are not real? So 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 we we kind of saw this coming. Yeah, this, we this, knew the show was coming from episode one. Really, the fight gave me some uh, what what is it? Kylo Ren and Ray vibes a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the chamber. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I didn't think the show was gonna go to oh, let's find the man behind the curtain. I thought it was just gonna be like oh, the timekeepers were always fake, and the end. Right? I didn't, I didn't think they were gonna go the next step. Which so it's cool. I'm glad. They, I'm glad they're like let's explore the end of this this weird monster at the end of time stuff. That's 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 mm-hmm. cool. They went another step. I thought like this was going to be episode like the last episode was going to be oh we discovered timekeepers time are fake. Yeah. We discovered mm-hmm. timekeepers are fake and the end. Right. But I'm glad that they extend the plot a little bit further mm-hmm. and they're going to introduce someone as the ultimate villain. Which I don't know if you guys have any ideas about who you think that might be. But uh, we can get into it in the next episode because I think well yeah um, yeah so. This fight scene, very sloppily edited, by the way. I yeah. thought there, there were a lot of cuts. I think it really showed that a lot of these people didn't know how to do fight choreography that well. A lot of the emotional beats landed. Um, I let out a big fuck yeah when B-15 showed up, you know, using <laughs> the, the the TVA slogan against them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for all time, always. I thought that was a great, great scene. I thought that was cool. and. I like the puppetry on, I mean, it's obviously like CG, but like, I liked how otherworldly, but also very robotic the timekeepers were, especially in their movements. That kind of telegraphed where this was going, and when Sylvie actually threw the thing, you're like, oh, okay, that's that's why, you know? And then when the when the head lands at her feet, and like, the wires are sparking, she's like, oh, they're fucking But the mouth's still moving, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty cool thing. Cool uh, I will say that I want. Does this have anything to do with the fact of why everyone who comes in to the TVA gets checked if they're an android? You remember Maybe. When, when Loki and both Sylvie have to go through that thing that like vaporizes any kind of androids or robots. What, why? What does that mean? I don't know, but like, does it have anything to do with the fact that like someone knows that the TVA timekeepers are robots and like other robots can sense other robots? I, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I was also going to say that I, I've. I've read this point in this kind of like theory or this kind of idea um elsewhere but like did you guys notice how the room actually has like these like red like what look like ruins mm-hmm. right that, that kind of look like the ones from scarlet witch oh yeah and that's and you know how like we talked up you know they talked about in scarlet witch how like if they're whoever casts the ruins only their magic can be cast mm-hmm. so like maybe that's why magic can't be used in the tva yeah what Sam Wilson said in Falcon and Winter Soldier still holds true. Every time you fight someone, it's one of the big three. One of the big three. Um, androids, aliens, and wizards. These <laughs> motherfuckers are androids, so still one of the big three. <laughs> Both the Loki's are wizards. Yeah. yeah, it works. But yeah, let's let's get into the the mid credits, right? So if you stick around, there's an actual mid credits this this episode, and you know Loki wakes up. He's pruned, but he he wakes up somewhere else. And when he wakes up, he sees four other Lokis. uh, Boastful Loki, Classic Loki, Kid Loki, and Alligator Loki. Mm -hmm. I freaked out a little bit when we saw this. I thought it was pretty cool. It is cool. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. They got Richard E. Grant to play Classic Loki. 
uh, that costume looks ridiculous, and that's yes. exactly the reason why it's so fucking awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, that's like his classic comic book accurate costume. It's even got like the the frilly neck thing, uh, the classic long horns. It's just yellow and green. It's fucking great. And and you got Kid Loki, boastful Loki. I think it's clear that what he's holding isn't actually Molnir because it doesn't look like Molnir, right? But oh, you think know, it's maybe. like a fake hammer he's created? Maybe. Not- oh, okay, uh, yeah, maybe. But yeah, let's get into this. I guess our last episode of, of this uh, podcast, uh, where we go into journey into the mystery. Good title for a episode, by the way. Yeah. yeah go ahead, Amir. No, I was gonna, gonna say you say? explain the reference, man. Yeah, journey into mystery is the first appearance of Thor and Loki, where number 83 introduced Thor as Dr. Donald Blake. And what happened was that Journey into Mystery was an anthology comic. So they did like a bunch of horror stuff. And then they also did a bunch of giant monster sci-fi stuff. But then the creators, after issue 83, which were Stan Lee, uh, Jack Kirby, and Larry Lieber, they really, really liked the Norse mythology that they introduced into Journey into Mystery. So they decided to make this the long-running comic for uh, what we know as the Asgardians, right? So Thor, Loki, Odin, all those Marvel characters. Um, and then later, like, the Enchantress and, like, Executioner, which we saw in Thor Ragnarok, they all became, like, mainstays in the Marvel comics. Uh, so journey into mystery is like callback to the origins of of uh, the Thor that we know today, right? Um, so I thought that was a great little callback. I thought it was a great episode title. So wild episode, by the way. So uh, a majority of this episode takes place in, I guess, what they call like the void, right? At the at the end of time, we we learn that uh, through Sylvie and Renslayer's conversation is that when things get pruned, they don't get destroyed. It's too hard to destroy that much matter. So instead, it, it all it really does is gets transferred to this location where a giant creature called Eliath basically then destroys it. So they still get destroyed. It just takes a little bit longer. So they're trying to find this man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And there's a smoke monster. <laughs> and they're stuck in a hatch. hatch. <laughs> so what is going on here? Is this a Lost thing? What's going on? Very, it's definitely- very reminiscent of Lost. I yes. thought that was very yes. funny. I don't think it's Lost. Uh, uh, pun intended, I guess. It's, it's not, <laughs> I don't think it's Lost on the creators. I think this it, it feels a lot like Lost. Uh, uh-huh. Or some of the references are. But yeah. I mean, you also look at like Eliath from the comics. He is actually a yeah, giant purple cloud. So it's like... Uh-huh. It's not monster, like it's, yeah. they just made him a big smoke monster. And, uh-huh. But yes, uh, and, and the idea of like man behind a curtain is like, it's it's from the Wizard of Oz. It's not really from right, Lost. Right, so right, it's right, like, right, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I, I also saw those, those references. Together, yes. you know? <laughs> no, I definitely I agree with you. I, I definitely saw those references too. And I was like, oh, okay, this is super fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean, we don't really get into like the grunt of the episode really until the end. But like, I still think there was a lot of like fun things that happened before uh, the end. I mean, we get, like I said, Sylvie who has a moment with Renslayer, and we 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 learn that I guess she didn't know that the timekeepers weren't real either, mm-hmm. unless if, if you were to believe her sincerity in that, and that she's also just trying to find the man behind the curtain in a sense. Yeah. 
here's the difference between Renslayer and everyone else, right? Because I think she also has this curiosity about who's behind the curtain, the man behind the curtain, but her loyalty to the TVA is still intact, right? She still believes in the TVA's mission. So that leads her to like, you know, there's a tentative team up between Sylvie and, and Renslayer, but that's obviously Quickly dashed. very yeah. short-lived. So yeah, all, all the way back in like episode three, when, you know, Sylvie gives us the information that they're like TVA agents are just variants. Like mm-hmm. my mind instantly went to the idea like, okay, so one of them, one of them has to know, right? Like one of our agents is probably mm-hmm. already aware that they are a variant. And like in my head, it was like, it's either Mobius or it's either Ravona. And then I, I'm guessing she does know, right? That she's a variant, but she still goes along with it, right? She still believes in the TVA and believes in this mission of keeping. Yeah, possibly, quite possibly. Yeah, keeping the timeline going. Because I mean, she learns it from C20 and then and she just decides to prune her and then try to like keep it at bay, right? So like she mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't have the same reaction as the B15 does in, in this episode where she wants everyone to know that they're variants. Yeah. Right? She really wants to keep the TVA intact as is. I mean, this episode was just fun. Yeah. I think it was the funniest episode out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Just with all the chaos, with all the Lokis running around. Yeah. They're all betraying each other. I think it's yes. fucking hilarious. And I kind of like that the all the marketing did like a little fake out. Um, because I thought like President Loki was going to be our Loki somehow. Mm-hmm. But he's just another variant Loki that looks like Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of double-crossing. Boastful Loki is the one that betrays them. Kid Loki and classic Loki, they're the ones who, who stay on uh, our Loki's side. And we find out some interesting info, right? Like, last episode, you were talking about classic Loki and where his Nexus event was. And here it's revealed that he did not try to kill Thanos in Infinity War. And instead, he did one of his illusions and he escaped. And like you said, he lived his life in solitude on a planet just to get away from everything. And uh, when he came out of hiding to reconnect with Thor because he missed him, cute moment, by the way, I really like that. Mm -hmm. That's when the TVA came and got him. And then I thought Kid Loki was really interesting, too, because his Nexus event was killing Thor, which was pretty crazy, too. I thought that was that was an interesting play on their rivalry. And, and he did it as a kid, no less. So I don't know what that says about him, but I thought that was cool. Alligator Loki ate the wrong cat, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so the final confrontation between uh, Renslayer and, and Sylvie is that, you know, she, she gets a hold of her temp pad. Again, I guess it's like so easy to take. Everyone seems to be able to steal Ravona's attempt <laughs> so easily. And she she figures, you know, like she can't escape. She can't just keep running. Instead, she's going to try to find Loki and she self prunes, right? She prunes herself and she wakes up in this, this void area and immediately is, is chased after by Eliath and she's rescued by Mobius's character. So then now we're reintroduced to Mobius. Mobius is still alive. And I guess they're on a journey to, you know, go back and, and try to enchant Eliath, but also in that journey, you know, our, our heroes 
coincidentally meet up again, right? Like Tom Hiddleston's Loki finds Sylvie and finds Mobius, and we have this kind of big team that are, is is essentially going to work together to try to take take down Elia. Really iffy, by the way. I don't yes. know how any of that shit is fucking working, <laughs> yeah. and how this enchanting works to reveal uh, the citadel at the end. I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. I'm not quite sure of the logic behind that, but I'm into it. Like I'll, it's fun. I'll roll with it absolutely uh, until we see uh, what's going on here. So, is the idea that like almost everybody who gets pruned to the end of time dies except for the Lokis? Well, I mean, I think it's the idea that like Lokis know how to stay alive, right? So, like, yeah, it's it would make sense that they're the only ones that can remain alive as long as they have, right? So that's what I'm saying is that like Alive kills everyone except for the Lokis or other exceptionally powerful beings who get pruned. Because like aside from Mobius, we don't see any regular people really. Yeah, and the regular people we do see like die instantly, instantly, yeah, right? yeah. Right? So, um, which is very funny because they're from the Philadelphia experiment, which I thought was yeah. fucking hilarious. Really hilarious, yeah. The USS Eldridge, um, which I thought was yeah, very, very it, funny. I don't want to explain it, but if you want to look it up, look it up. It's it's pretty interesting that they they took that kind of little snippet from our history and and, and kind of included in the show. Yeah, I, I mean, to your point though, we we do see a character that isn't a Loki, right? We see Throg, mm-hmm. which is a frog version of Thor that's uh-huh. stuck in a jar, right? Right. I mean, he's buried under Earth, so maybe Elias doesn't care or doesn't know that he's there. But, like, I mean, it does seem like the only ones that seem to be able to survive mostly is Loki's. Uh, and then everyone else gets kind of pruned pretty fast. Right. Uh, or not pruned. Uh, Killed. Up by Elias. <laughs> Before we get our big moment at the end, I, I, I do love that we took, like, this quiet moment to have a little bit of character development between... Um, I mean, we get the scene between Mobius and the other Loki's... And I love the moment where he's like, yeah, I don't remember this alligator Loki. Like, how do you not remember an alligator <laughs> Loki? Which actually goes to a theory that I have later we'll talk about. So, so you mentioned Throg being there, right? So yeah. Like, presumably other Thors have been pruned by the TVA in the past? Yeah, I guess. So, at least something. If Lokis can survive, Thors should be able to too, right? You don't think Thor would be the type of person like, I could take this out, let me kill it, and then just get, get eaten? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just thinking, I mean? like, like, have you ever pruned a Doctor Strange? Have you pruned, like, like, why is Loki the only one? Is he the only one who's running around fucking up time so much? I mean, they do make a point in the very first episode. All the ones they, they bring in, like, Loki's always one of the ones they always seem to be bringing in, right? Like, it just seems like he has a... Uh, a pensity to to fuck with the timeline and, and have to and, be and our Loki screwed up time by literally using time travel, right? But like, it seems like the others don't even have to use time travel in order to screw up the timeline. I mean, yeah. you don't know what happened to you don't really know Frog Thor, <laughs> I guess. But <laughs> but it's all very hand wavy, right? Because some huge fuck ups of the timeline. Uh, Ravona's remember in like episode one was like, oh, that was supposed to happen, but then other time travel shenanigans are huge nexus events so like it really depends on like what's in favor of keeping the sacred timeline on track i guess i don't know because i don't know doctor strange fucked up the timeline 80 times in his own movie right and then avengers endgame was all about like using time travel to uh save themselves from thanos or like undo the snap i was gonna ask is gamora a variant because she's still running around somewhere yeah from a different timeline. Yeah, mm, would she have to be pruned? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think if you ask these questions, like it's it's gonna hurt your head. You're gonna go down. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna go down a hole that just like you're not gonna like. You know. <laughs> and then we uh, we get the moment between Sylvie and Loki, right? Where they're talking about the moment they had, you know, the nexus event that they cause, and then like Loki conjures up this like blanket that covers up the bo- both of them. I thought that was a really sweet moment. So yeah. I mean, I do like this character development uh, in these scenes right before we get the, you know, the big CG fight at the end. Which is very silly. So do you think they're going to pull the trigger on this romance? Does it look like they're going to? I think so. Yeah. You yeah. think so? Yes. You think so? Okay. Why do you think they're going to pull back, Jeff? I don't know. I think a lot of people are complaining about it. Not like Marvel's ever going to listen to people who complain, but like saying it's gross and fucking deviant or whatever but like it's fucking it's alternate reality shenanigans or whatever who fucking cares but i don't know i feel like if they were gonna do it they would have done it already right like Mm. why dilly dally around right they had like plenty of opportunity to do it last episode and they definitely had an opportunity to do it this episode and the next episode they're gonna spend the whole time trying to figure out what's going on with the tva so i feel like if they were gonna do it they would have done it i don't know i feel like they're just just kind of hinting at things without actually having them come to fruition right we can have a conversation about this like pretty quickly let's i think we we can get around this like last part and then once we kind of see the big reveal at the end i think then we can really talk about this but yeah both loki and sylvie go after Eliath. Eliath and kid loki you know conjures up this sword to loki and then classic loki's like well this is as far as we go we're we're out right uh we're gonna just stay here and and stay alive mobius is given the temp pad and he goes back and he says he's gonna like basically tear shit down mm-hmm. uh set a flame on their asses and uh i really like that moment that really sincere moment where like he puts out his hand for a handshake but loki comes in for the hug right it's 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 a really sincere moment like this is an, an actual healthy relationship for this loki character mm-hmm but, uh, yeah, we get into the big battle, right? Like, uh, Sylvie thinks that she can enchant Elias. Which, why to... does she think that? Because there's a point where when she gets chased the first time, she touches briefly uh, Elias and she sees the castle, right? That mm-hmm. that we see at the end. In her mind, she's made a connection with this creature. So, she's she thinks that she can enchant it. Because in her mind, this is like a guard dog, right? That That is just basically guarding the gate to the... The, the point beyond time, right? The actual end of time where this whoever's controlling the TVA is, is hiding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why she thinks she's going to chant it. But what I don't understand is why enchanting Eliath opens the portal to the citadel or whatever, or, or whatever's hidden. Well, if, she, if he's guarding it, like he yeah, controls the door, like once you say, hey, you enchant it, but like, hey, open the door. Right? Like yeah. That, that's I, think it. I think you're supposed to. Is that what you're supposed I, to in, I, infer? Yeah, that I think that's She's mind to. controlling Elias to let them through, I yeah, guess? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which we never talked about her original mind controlling of the god from the very beginning of three. The little scene in the bar or whatever. I really like that little mind yeah, control. Yeah, I like too. that too. Really uh, really C20. C20. Yeah, really yeah. fun. I hate that. You know, oh, you know, they're scared of the bar and trying to go through it. And she's like, you know, you can tell me anything, right? It's like, where are the timekeepers? Like, how many people are guarding <laughs> yeah, the timekeepers? <laughs> it was really are, good. Man. It was really nice. That was, <laughs> was funny. Really well I'm trying to have a margarita here, bro. Let's just not talk about work right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we see Sylvie and, and Loki attempt to try to go after Eliath. Um, Loki is going to act as a distraction while Sylvie is going to uh, try to enchant. And what we they figure out quickly is that, uh, I guess, 
Sylvie isn't powerful enough to enchant by herself, but then also like Loki's not a good enough distraction and he goes after Sylvie and then we get a distraction in the form of classic Loki, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of this episode, what I loved about Richard E. Grant's character is that he is very much, you know, the same Loki that we recognize, I think, but just a lot older, right? And this idea that he thinks that he can't change, that he is, is bound to be the person he is supposed to be. And he can never change. And then I think we've talked about this is already like an overarching theme of this whole series is that like, you're not defined by who you are, or someone says who you are, you know, you're allowed to change and define yourself. And I think that at the end, he does, instead of being the coward, he's the hero, right? He causes distraction by creating this giant projection of Asgard, uh, which I thought was really, really cool. And, you know, he decides to help, right? And Way more powerful than anything we've seen our Loki yes. ever do, right? Um, that projection of Asgard is is crazy, and it has like it has tangibility, right? Because like, uh, or does it? I don't know. Is it a giant illusion, or uh, I is feel it, like it actually like I feel a like it disappears when a life touches it. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this this Loki does make a point of saying that, like, oh, my illusions are much more advanced because I don't like use swords or whatever. Yeah, yeah. D and D theory of character development. <laughs> <laughs> In the end, he sacrifices himself right Eliath um eats him up and and you know we see the the very much leftover helmet like classic Loki helmet that's on the floor and mm-hmm. we're to assume that you know he he is dead and in this very heroic moment uh and then we see that uh, Sylvie and Loki do work together to enchant Eliath and it opens the gateway to the you know the end of time the the the, the space beyond the void mm-hmm and it, it is what looks like a castle with a tower that is lit up that actually kind of looks like one of the TVA pruning machines, right? Where, like, you know how at the end of the TVA right, sticks, right. it kind of glow. It kind of looks like that. This, okay, this is the point. Let's get into it. What do we think this is? Or, or I guess we know what this is. Who do we think is there? I have no idea. I don't think they're going to introduce Kang here. Kang here. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it makes sense why they would make the introduction of a big bad in the last episode of uh, Loki. I mean, it might. I mean, mean, let's talk a little bit about the Easter eggs in this episode, because there are so many. so many. Like, one of them is Kang Tower. Not Kang Tower, but Kang Tower. Q-E-N-G, which is from a 2015 run of the Avengers called Ultron Forever, in which this company called Kang buys Stark Tower from Tony Stark, and that company's CEO, Mr. Gryphon, was revealed to be none other than Kang the Conqueror. So this makes an appearance in the guise of Tony Stark's Stark Tower in the void here, and and I mean, that has to be a callback to that comic, and a shout-out to Kang the Conqueror. I mean, maybe we'll see him. I don't know. Who knows? So, yeah, it does seem like all signs are pointing to Kang, but, you know, with, with Kang Tower, right, with the fact that Ravona is a big character in this, mm-hmm. Eliath is typically tied to uh, Kang, Kang in, the, yeah. in the story, or in the comics. So, I, I don't think that we are going to get the big Kang is the the man behind the curtain reveal. If anything, if we do see Kang, I think it'll be like a teaser. A post-credits or something like that. A post-credits. It's like the man or person who's in this castle maybe is working for Kang and then almost kind of a la end of Avengers style. Like, you know, we see someone talk to like a a figure and it 
it's revealed to be Thanos. I'll be a little disappointed if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I don't think the person in the castle is is Kang. Maybe it's Thanos. Because <laughs> we got and the Thanos copter. copter. We got the Thanos yeah. copter. The meme copter from Super Spider Story. He's fucking ridiculous Thanos flying a helicopter, um, which was very funny. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Uh, Amir, do you have any ideas? Dude, I do not, man. You Please, lead the way. So my theory now... I, I first, Okay, so after last episode, I thought it was Ravona who was going to be the big bad of this this, this series and who was the, actually controlling. Like, I thought she was like knew all along it was just controlling the timekeepers or created the timekeepers as robots. But then genuinely, I think she doesn't know. Like we learned that she generally doesn't know who is controlling the TVA and she didn't know that the timekeepers were androids. So like, I don't think it's our version of Ravona. So what I think is that it is either a future version of Ravona or a future version of Mobius that is there. I leaning more towards Mobius because there is still a through line, uh, still a plot detail that still hasn't been resolved, and it's been hinted at several times throughout this series. Is that there are other quote unquote agents working for Ravona, but Ravona keeps saying like it's you. There's a point made where like uh, Mobius puts his cup down and creates these like water stains on her coffee table. He's all like, was someone else here? It's like, yeah, it was you. You made those stains. He's like, I didn't make these stains. So, like, there's this clue that there's other Mobiuses maybe out there running around affecting the timeline that we haven't met yet. And I think maybe the payoff is that he goes back to wreak havoc on the TVA, but then eventually controls the TVA and then it ends up at the end of time. Oh, could be. That's a good theory. I would be strangely satisfied if that was what happened. (laughs) There's just that one, like the one plot detail that just has not been paid off yet. I mean, that would be the perfect like predestination paradox, right? Like you use time travel or whatever to like make things right, but then you become the thing that you swore you would never be, or something like that. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that would be very fitting for 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 Mobius. Doesn't that go against the whole theme of the show, though, which is that you can change and things aren't predestined, and that like right, exactly. That, like, so change, yeah, changing does. time is a good thing, and that being a variant isn't bad. Well, I mean, Mobius is changing from being good to bad, so maybe that's Ooh. like mm-hmm. that's like the thing there. I don't know. I mean, I also think it could just be like a future Vona, like you know, it's like it's herself who's or, or, you know, because we know from the comics that she is like a love interest to like loves Kang, and maybe like she doesn't know that she's like influencing herself this whole time. Is is Mobius still attached to Ravona? Is it like maybe Ravona dies and that's what causes him to flip? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe it's Darren Cross from fucking Ant Man. <laughs> yeah. His helmet is Dude, in let's, okay. the void. <laughs> all right now, now that I've got my speculation out, um, I I want to talk about like all the not all these Easter eggs, but I just want to like list off like if what you guys remember. Like I saw the head of the Living Tribunal. There's a uh-huh. statue. There's the Thanos copter. There's the Darren Cross uh, uh, yellow jacket, like large. There's, uh, there's Ronan the Accuser ship, ship, the Dark Aster. Yeah. Nice. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's Hydra Hella carrier. Yeah, yeah. There's a is it, was it a Hydra Hella carrier? Yeah, because you have a, you, like a giant okay. Hydra loaded on it. So it's like interesting. Um, you see red skulls, um, uh, like rocket thing he takes in the first oh, Avenger. Okay, okay. We already mentioned like Throg, mm-hmm. there and Kang Tower, like. 
there's just so many things like it's you, you go back and this is a fun episode to watch like go back and you'll notice like all these things and it, it's it's yeah maybe we'll end these this episode on the the two remaining emails that we have yeah well let's let's talk about Rafi's first right because we already kind of mentioned it um he asks us to rank from least to most likely to appear in Loki. His list is Kang the Conqueror, Young Avengers, Dark Avengers, Fantastic Four, and the X-Men. Yeah. We've already kind of talked about Kang. I think it is probably out of these five the most likely uh, that I, maybe we I think we'll that see. list might be in likelihood order there, right? Like, I think, well, I mean, <laughs> I think Kang is probably Tech? the most likely. Maybe yeah. Young and Dark Avengers tied. Fantastic Four and X-Men probably, like, not at all, right? So I, I think yeah. I think you nailed it. Uh, I don't know if it's Rafi or Rafe. I mean, but, but technically, if you want to go, like, technicality, we've already seen a Young Avenger, right? I mean, Loki, yeah, kid Loki, <laughs> kid Loki is <laughs> a Young Avenger. You know That's what? true. Good point, Derek. I want to give you credit for that one. Young <laughs> Avengers 100% have already appeared. Kang might appear, maybe. A no prize. Well, if you see Kang the Conqueror, that's also a young Avenger because Ooh, Iron Lad is mm, Kang the yeah, Conqueror. That's so. right. Mm-hmm. Two 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 <laughs> yeah. It's a twofer. Uh, do you want to read uh, Jess's email, Jeff? Yeah. So Jess was saying he, she, they, I don't know. I heard you guys talking about the MCU as a miracle of production and filmmaking. And no matter what haters say, I tend to agree. Uh, my question is, as the MCU gains more confidence and produces shows like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki, and the upcoming What If, do you think it will dilute the brand, and when do you think Marvel will have its first flat-out dud? Ooh, that's a tough question. Great question. I don't Great know. Question. I think they've already had their first flat-out dud, uh, which was Thor the Dark World. <laughs> I don't think it's a flat-out. and they just powered through it? I did not like it. I mean, I think, like, I constantly joke about this on this this podcast, right? Like, it's, you know, things like uh, Endgame and, like, the show of retroactively have, have us go back and, like, have to revisit that movie. But, and I think Frigga is the best part of that movie. Uh, but honestly, that movie did not work for me. And I, I think it's, for me, it was a flat-out dud. Um, I think we're talking more about something that I'll just kind of... Tank the... the tank yes, the yeah. franchise. Which I don't think it actually will, even if it happens. I think it'll be like a slow losing of interest. Yeah, in... I mean, the shit can't last forever. Yeah. And I think this second generation is a prime time for it to happen, right? Like, where you're handing yeah. over these franchises from the initial generation of like stars who made it slash were made by it. The Chris Evans is the... Uh, Hemsworths, the um, Robert Downey Juniors, and so on. And then, how do you pass that on to the next generation of actors trying to take up that mantle? You know, so Anthony, mm-hmm. Mackie, and, um, you know, all the all the quote unquote supporting characters who are kind of left behind now that that first generation of Avengers is gone. Are they going to be able to sustain that push? Uh, these people aren't as big names. The characters aren't as essential. You know, there's a lot more Captain America fans than there are Falcon fans out there, right? So, right. you know, and leaving just even the whole leaving the race thing aside, like there's a lot more people who are going to go out and just see a Captain America movie just because Captain America than, you know, people who are going to follow the adventures of Falcon. So I think it will rely a lot on just like if people will cling on to these new properties, right? Like these new heroes that we have. I, I think that if if these new heroes are as good and kind of kind of replace, in a sense, our feelings that we you know, we've had for like the Iron Man's, the Captain America movies and, and the Avengers, like if they can capture that spirit and we love them as much, then I think this can go on for like another couple phases, right? But if if we start to see like, hey, people are not are not big fans of Shang-Chi or not big fans of the Eternals, then then I think 
yeah, we'll start to see that kind of slow. I'm already feeling a little deflated Me with the phase too. four stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Loki is a bright spot, but I think WandaVision had his problems. I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier had its problems. I don't know if this makes me a bad Asian, but I think Shang-Chi looks bad. Really? See, I'm thinking it looks good. I, I think they you got think it looks I, good? I so think they got a reasonably talented martial artist as the lead, and uh, I think that the camera work and you got Tony look, Long, man. The Come camera on, work man. doesn't look like it's trying to hide the fights. I think it looks like they're trying to do a cut above the normal Marvel fights. Listen, I also don't like talking shit about screenwriters and people who work on movies, but uh, I do not really have that much faith in David Callaham, who's behind the script. Um, he's written two of my least favorite movies of the last two years. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, he wrote both Wonder Woman 1984 and Mortal Kombat. Holy so shit. Oof. That's, that's an O for two right there, yeah. That's a rough fucking. Yeah. And uh, those are not like resume. those are not like barely duds or cult classics. Those, those are, are bad movies. Bombs. Yeah, those are those bombs. Those did really poorly. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> don't ruin it for me, Jeff. <laughs> you guys have anything else to say? I was gonna yeah, ask we got. We got um, I and I, th- I think that I'm already starting to feel some of that fatigue, as Jeff said. But I think that they can. Ex- in the life of the MCU by like at least another decade if they nail the X-Men. Mm, yeah, if they can bring in the Fantastic Four and the X-Men really successfully, yeah. If they shift from like the MCU as the Avengers to the MCU as the X-Men plus the Fantastic Four, they get at least another 10 years out of it and people are going to fucking love it. What we've already mentioned like through talking about WandaVision and, and uh, uh, Captain – or I keep saying it, Falcon the Winter Soldier. Uh, I mean, they, it looks like they're already establishing the Dark Avengers or Slash the Thunderbolts. They're establishing – it looks like they're trying to establish the Young Avengers. Like it does seem like it's maybe we're moving away from Avengers, but it looks like they are establishing like many different teams that maybe will come together for an event movie. Like that excites me, and like I still want to watch that. The interesting thing about the Avengers is that like before the MCU, they were not like the premier Marvel team, right? Yeah, they were not. It was, no, it's no, the yeah. X Men, it's Spider Man, and so like the vagaries of like IP ownership or whatever is what caused the Avengers to like shoot to the top of the list, right? But like. And, like, Marvel is now, like, with the success of the Avengers, they've used as a springboard to acquire their properties back, right? Mostly. Many mm-hmm. many of them, not all of them, right? I guess they don't have, like, I don't know, Mobius or whatever. But, like, <laughs> and Venom. But they, like, they've acquired a lot of it back. And so, like, if they can manage the shift from Avengers-based properties and spinoffs to their real what, – what, what are the traditional big guns in the X-Men and um, the Fantastic – and less of the Fantastic Four, but, like, X-Men primarily, and if Spider-Man keeps going strong, then I think they've, they've got at least a good decade. Yeah, I agree. If they can't nail those things, Phase 4 is, like, probably the second to last phase. They, can, they can't do it forever on these characters. Because, like, the Marvel House style is so rigid. They're not B-movies, but they're, like, a B-grade movie, right? Like, they're never I, gonna I be always, amazing. Yeah, 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 they're exactly. never gonna blow your mind, right? And they're not gonna be I think at least for the most audiences and people who like the stuff like us, they're not going to be so bad that you go, oh, this was an F, right? What I always say is like for the MCU, the floor is high, but the ceiling is low, I think. I think it's that's, always that's like between a B plus and a B minus yeah, mostly. It's yeah. Like a, a B plus to C movies maybe. And like, you know, you can't go forever off of that, I don't think. But I don't know. Maybe you can. I mean, I, th- I think, yeah, I don't know if you can go forever off of that. I don't know. I think with the birth of the MCU, we've talked about this before, and 
and like Jess in the email, they said like, oh, you know, it's like a minor miracle, a miracle that this happened, and it's it's true, right? Because well, we said it, so it's definitely true. It's not <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like between navigating all of the rights issues, getting Robert Downey Jr., who was coming off like a career low, he's trying to reinvent himself, putting Chris Hemsworth on the map, getting Chris Evans to play Captain America, all those things like coming together with the right filmmakers, making all these phase one movies work together, build towards the Avengers, that's like capturing lightning in a bottle. And and like with most of those players gone, like you're gonna have to ca- capture lightning in a bottle twice now with like the Fantastic Four and the X-Men who you just got the rights back to. And like, I don't know if it'll work, you know, like it's, it's hard to say. It's really yeah, hard, it's to, really say, hard like, to say like what's, what's going to happen. And, and, and like the MCU hasn't produced like, you know, amazing, like earth shattering works of genius or whatever, but yeah, don't scoff at the level of difficulty it takes to make a franchise of consistent, like enjoyable level movies that the masses are going to watch because yeah. guess what? D- yeah, yeah, D- no. DC couldn't fucking pull it off. Star Wars yeah. managed to screw the pooch. It's not as easy as Marvel is making it look. And like, it's very yeah. easy to roll your eyes at them and go like, these movies are like, are trash and like, fine. If they're not for you, that's great. But like, d- they're still doing something that is not that easy as exhibited by the failures of everyone else on the planet to pull it off. Star Wars could do nine movies or whatever. Yeah. Like this is 25. There's, there's something in the, in, in the way that Kevin Feige. Okay, but, but none of these 25 movies is, is, is a Star Wars, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, none of them are, I mean, arguably, uh, the original trilogy. Yeah, no, none of these are, um, are touching the original trilogy. Where you put the prequels and the sequels is your own private business. Um, which we're not getting into. No, on this no, episode. No, no. We don't have the time. Can I ask one more quick question before we kind of? I know this episode's running long, but I wanted to ask one more thing. Did you guys watch the trailer for the What If? Did you guys? What did you guys think? I did. Are you guys excited for it? Like people hated it. People are like, "Oh, the animation's ugly and shit like that." I thought it was fine. I think it'll be fun. It was fine. I think the animation's fluid. I think it's cool. It's not really the animation style I would have chosen if I had any say in it i mean but it looks good it looks fine i think the animation is i think people are blowing it out of proportion people I think were upset fine. about it man were people really upset i don't about know it? from what i'm seeing people know. were really trashing huh. it. maybe i'm wrong interesting all right well i i bring up the what if trailer because there is a very specific line where you know jeffrey wright is playing um the watcher the watcher and he Ooh, says and he says something about journey through the multiverse right because I believe this what if takes place, even though it's animated, it takes place in the MCU. So there is there's a disconnect of we do not have a multiverse yet to a month from now we are going to explore the multiverse, right? Mm-hmm. So there also is another plot detail that hasn't really been paid off yet in Loki is that that we haven't seen a red line event yet, right? Where the timeline or a Nexus event hits the red line and it becomes permanent, right? Mm-hmm. And this answers your question, like, do I really think they're going to kiss? Yes, because I think that is the Nexus event that will go to a red line event that will cause the multiverse. Interesting. Because we have to get to that point, right? Because, I mean, Doctor Strange is called the multiverse of madness. Um, I mean, there are all the rumors of the next Spider-Man movie coming out. And then this what if trailer uses the word multiverse. It's like, I think it has to come. And I think that's the only way you can technically stop TVA, right? It's just that... If there's too much happening, 
it, it kind of destroys the point of the TVA, right? Like they can't. Right. There doesn't need to be a TVA if there's a multiverse and they can't they can't control it anymore. Right. It could be. It's a good theory. It's a good theory. I was just pointing out a couple things about the what if trailer that kind of bugged me. Um, did they get Chadwick Boseman back? Yes. For, I mean, this was like one of the last things he did, right? Yeah. I thought it was weird that he kept his Wakandan accent after being in space his entire life, but <laughs> that's that's fine, whatever. Uh-huh. And the other thing is, uh, what if Tony Stark met Killmonger? I think the what if would be Killmonger would fucking kill Tony Stark <laughs> because he's a fucking <laughs> war profiteer, right? Um, I'm sure that Tony Stark is like indirectly funding white supremacy or some shit, you know? And he would definitely fucking kill his ass, but... Well, but isn't the what if, like, because at that point, that's the point where Tony decides to not be a, a war profiteer anymore. So what if uh-huh. Killmonger steps in and then he never has that realization and then he still, yeah, maybe, maybe he still he, feeds uh, he's basically. Still a huge yeah. dick. Yeah, he's still yeah. a huge dick and, and fuels wars that Killmonger can go kill in or whatever, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the series. I mean, I, yeah. I love the what if comics and, like, you know, the idea of, like, what if this happened? What if this happened? Like, you know, it, that's that's always intriguing to me. So I'm definitely looking forward to this series. Yeah, I don't think the animation looks that bad. I think it's fine. All right. Well, uh, we've gone a little bit long this episode because, I mean, definitely we're talking about three different episodes. So, three episodes, um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, like Jeff says, stay tuned. We're going to have – very shortly we'll have our, our episode and our thoughts about Black Widow. But I guess if there's nothing else, uh, we'll conclude this episode. Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me being eaten by Elias at the end of time. <laughs> what about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at the world's OKS photos and Screen Agents Guild. Or maybe, I my, every maybe time. My, my variant is the world's best photos. I don't know. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Uh, but if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and uh, we actually really enjoyed getting these emails. Uh, very thoughtful, yeah. um, very fun questions to ask. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, and we want you to keep them coming. We like to read these emails out on the pod, so send them our way. You can send them to jeff at strangeharbors.com. And with that, we will see you in two days on Thursday with Black Widow. <laughs> we'll see you guys then. See you two days. <laughs>